0: Welcome to the Crown Council Mentor of the Month. I'm Steve Anderson and I'm excited today to introduce our mentor this month, Dr. Howard Hinden, uh, who is celebrating his 52nd year in dental practice. And Howard, you don't look a day over 21. And uh, so Howard is an acknowledged pioneer in the relationship between dental issues and whole health, whole body health. His research into the dental medical connection and systemic balance is shaping the medical community's understanding of this growing and important field. His practice provides care for all aspects of dentistry with an emphasis on TMJ disorders, craniofacial pain, uh, sleep dental medicine, and physiological restorative dentistry. Uh, A little bit of additional background. Howard is the co-founder and president of the Academy of Physiologic Medicine and Dentistry, the AAPMD, which is a professional organization for the research, education, and awareness of airway, sleep, and breathing disorders and their connection to chronic disease. He's also the director of the Foundation for Airway Health, which is a nonprofit dedicated to raising awareness about airway, sleep, health, and providing education uh, resources, and access to care for those in need. Uh, the foundation enlists all organizations, academies, opinion leaders, professionals, and corporations to unite to bring a unified message about airway health to the public, and we're going we're to talk about that today. Uh, he is a published author. He, along with Dr. Michael Gelb, who has been a part of the Crown Council for many, many years, is the author of the book entitled Airway Health, The Hidden Path to Wellness. Uh, this week, he will be honored in Rome, Italy with the AMA, Excuse AAMS, that's a tongue twister, Florence Nightingale Award for Vision, Enterprise, and Passion in Establishing the Profession of Myofunctional Therapy. So with that, all those credentials. We welcome Dr. Howard Hinden as our Mentor of the Month. So Howard, welcome, and thanks for being with us today.
1: Oh, thank you, Steve. After that in- introduction, I don't know what else I can say.
0: Well, you got a lot to say, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, ask you to share your expertise and your wisdom with us. So uh, you, uh, of course, know, because this is how we became initially acquainted about my personal interest in airway health through my own and my family's experiences and the huge impact it's had on my life. Uh, My life has been changed by uh, airway health as well as every single one of my children. Um, As you know, I've had extensive work done, including double jaw surgery. Um, All of my children have had airway-related work done through orthodontics. Uh, And it's been life-changing for all of us. So until recently, uh, no one, relatively no one in the medical community was really looking at airway as a cause of chronic health uh, issues. Uh, Dentistry, uh, from my opinion, is taking the lead in identifying and helping patients understand the importance of airway health and its impact on total health, thanks in great part to the work that you are doing and have done. So. Maybe we can start with where we are now. Um, where is medicine and dentistry in this whole area of of identifying and treating airway issues?
1: Well, it's hard to believe that the whole area of sleep medicine is not more than 30 years old. Uh, I think the first CPAP was uh, used in the late 90s. So it's really, Coming into uh, the areas of medicine, dentistry, very rapidly, and we sort of live in in the old wild west of chaos because now that it's becoming uh, an issue, everybody wants to get a bigger piece of of, of that of that pie. Uh, about six or seven years ago, Michael Gelb and I coined the term uh, airway airway centric, because we felt that if somebody has a sleeping problem during the day they don't breathe well during during a sleeping problem at night. They don't breathe during the well, the day. Well, also, and it affects their total life and, and health and, uh, and, and performance. I can
0: testify to that.
1: (laughs) Right. So, uh, uh, where we are today, it's very interesting because, uh, last week I was in Chicago at ADA headquarters. Uh, they convened Steve Carsonson convened the round table of, uh, physicians, dentists, and researchers. Uh, In October of 2017, the ADA issued a uh, statement that dentists should screen for airway problems. They call it sleep-related breathing disorders. But in their infinite wisdom, they never said how that should be done. And so, uh, uh, Steve convened a uh, group of about 30 of us, and we tried to to come up with what exactly should be the screening for, for children. And that's where we are now is the ADA recognizes that this is so important that dentists should be involved and should take a uh, active role. Uh, The interesting thing is that the AMA, American Medical Association, and the AASM, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, issued a statement recently saying that uh, that they don't like the the encroachment of dentists into the field of sleep because they're not Qualified and trained, it should be left to, to specialists in order to do that. Um, wow. So this is the and so what I view the problem is. There are people fighting over who is going to have the biggest piece of the pie. Unfortunately, the most important part of that pie, the person in need, isn't being considered in that in that equation. For example, in the entire United States, there are only two hundred and five. Certified pediatric sleep specialists, and if we just take all the major cities—East Coast, West Coast, Chicago—not enough. That's that's two hundred. Who are, who's going to care f- for those people? And so, what has happened, in my opinion, we're getting confused between what is certified and what is competent. There, there are many dentists I know who have spent hours uh, and hours. Uh, studying in order to know this topic and and are certainly qualified and knowing a little bit about your story, the way you found out about it was from an orthodontist. Uh, And, and uh, I'm not sure whether you went for regular medical checkups, but uh, it was the orthodontist who discovered it. We find uh, and uncover so many cases of people that never knew that, their existing problem, any relationship to a sleep problem. So where we are now is um, everybody recognizes that sleep, quote, airway is important. Uh, The question is what role should different practitioners play? And I am a strong advocate that dentists have to take an important role, not without training, not by taking a weekend course, but if if you are competent, uh, compared to 205 uh, certified pediatric sleep physicians, there are 195,000 dentists uh, with seeing patients for a longer period of time with their hygienists and uh, uh, at least twice t- twice a year. And if we take that with what's happening, like with your no, no more hygiene program at periodontal pathogens, we combine that with airway and sleep the the dentist really is the physician of the mouth and what goes on in the mouth has a huge effect on what's going on in the rest of the body. Correct. In fact, you know, interesting, you should mention
0: the whole child, the pediatric connection, because that's how mine was discovered was I, I took my children in for an orthodontic, you know, exam and overview and the whole deal. And that's when their airway issues were discovered. And then of course that led to, taking a look at the gene donor, <laughs> which was pretty pretty obvious that because all of them had an issue, it came from somewhere. And of course my problem was worse than any of them. So, but it started with my children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so this, in my mind, the whole screening aspect and having practitioners on the front lines who are looking for this and know what to look for and how to address it is uh, is huge. And I will tell you um, in, in my case and Howard, you know I'm not a clinician, so I know enough now to be dangerous, but it is very difficult for me now to walk through an airport, and I do that every week. Uh, I can't walk through an airport anymore without just going person, just walking down the concourse and just looking at craniofacial structure and I know enough now to know who's got a problem without even ever talking to them. You can see who has, potentially has a, who has an airway problem just by, by structure. So let's go from the, you know, from the high level that you just talked about. Tell us a little bit about what you do in your practice. Uh, so you and your son, Jeff, have practiced together for many years. Um, I have spent some time in your practice. You are doing some amazing work Uh, Patients come from far distances uh, to be treated in your practice. So at a practical level, tell us what you're doing and how you're doing it.
1: Well, first of all, we believe that uh, your mouth is part of the rest of your body. And so uh, we don't start with looking at uh, the mouth. We look at the health history, what medications people are on and we look for, for those connections. Uh, so we look at the uh, airway, we look at sleep, and we also look at the physiology. That, that uh, I think the next step beyond airway is gonna be the looking at the physiology. We as dentists have a huge influence on what happens uh, with physiology. It's not a question of whether you may want to be involved with airway or not involved in airway, you are. Because everything you do is going to have an effect. If you are uh, doing orthodontics and you would do retraction or you take out bicuspids, you are making the airway smaller. If you put implants that are too far palatal or towards the lingual, you are affecting the airway. Uh, and so what I think every dentist should know is whatever you're doing, it has an effect and you should know what that effect is, good or bad. So so in our practice, that's what we look for. So every every new patient not only has a a regular exam, has an airway exam, we also look for periodontal pathogens that sometimes uncontrolled periodontal problems and not due to the patient not doing a good job. It's because they have an airway issue. And when you have an airway issue, it increases chronic inflammation. And so the person's uh, response to the same amount of pathogens will be much greater because of their sleep problem. And the amazing thing you'll find that when you uh, identify, treat, and control the airway problem, the sleep problem, periodontal problem improves tremendously.
0: Um, and again, that was my experience. Hundred percent is uh, when when the airway issue is treated correctly, the periodontal stuff was uh, was a natural benefactor of that. They're all they're all tied together. Uh, can you take it a step further? Um, when I was with you in your practice, I observed what was in my mind an absolutely miraculous. Uh, situation with a patient who had severe, had a, has a severe issue with Tourette's
1: syndrome. Uh, and so
0: you share with us how you're treating that in your practice.
1: Okay, so um, Tourette's, uh, there had been, there have been anecdotal information that. Uh, treating Tourette's patients with an, an appliance, an oral appliance, and reposition their jaw can have a positive effect on the uh, movement disorders, the tics, etc. Et uh, so, a couple of years ago, uh, my son Jeff, who, uh, as you know, is a lot smarter than I am and uh, and better looking, <laughs> um, it's sort of not fair, but it's okay because it's he's
0: my son. Every gener- there needs to be an improvement on every generation, Howard. So that's a good thing.
1: So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he was invited by Rob Cornell Medical Center, which is uh, one of the premier medical centers in New York, to do a study on a double-blind study on the benefits of oral appliance therapy with, with threats. Uh, it took about five years to get the study, do the IRB, get everything a- approved. Uh, if, you have, if you haven't ever been involved in a research study, and you're a clinician, it, it's like the dark side of the world getting everything yeah. done right. And so when these patients came in, they had to be videoed from the moment they walked into the office to make sure that we weren't encouraging them, that it was just the effect of the appliance. The, uh, the results on the, of the study have been fantastic. It's gonna be published in a couple of m- months. And uh, you can see immediately the effect it's not like go home and wear the appliance the effects are immediate in fact jeff has this really cool thing he would ask these one of these kids how do you make is there any way that you can make your ticks uh better and one patient would say well i bite on my sweater and uh and he says show me and the patient would would take the sleeve of their sweater put it in their mouth and all of a sudden the ticks would stop and he said gee that's a good place to to, to position the jaw. Because some the people in intuitively know where, where they should be. And then uh, we've incorporated with that, uh, we've created a physiological monitoring system, again, that Jeff has created, which measures uh, physiological processes. And uh, you were in our office and we, we showed that to you. You so hooked looked- me up. I got, I got all wired up, it was great. It gives a whole new meaning to the word "getting hooked up," yeah. but, uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, we measure uh, EMG's mus- muscle contraction, right and left, respiration rate by respiration belts, which measures how uh, the patient is breathing thoracically through on their chest and from the abdomen. abdomen, and it should be equal. Uh, a lot of people don't breathe equally; they breathe more uh, from their upper chest and, and through their abdomen. And then the really cool thing is we measure heart rate variability. Heart rate variability is a measurement of how our autonomic nervous system is working. We believe we have the most uh, accurate uh, device in the dental market because we measure 2,056 uh, data points per second. Uh, and And we also have in our system, a way to move, to take out the artifacts. And knowing how the autonomic nervous system works, which constantly, every fraction of a second is measuring input from our internal, external environment and making adjustments and never consults us. It, 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 It just does it. So we can see when we make a little change in a bite and all of a sudden, our brain doesn't have to work so hard to figure out where am I in space. Uh, that makes a, a big difference. And uh, and we can take somebody else's appliances and just tweak them a little bit. And, and you'll see immediately the change uh, that'll happen. And so we've created something called the physiological bite. Instead of taking a TMJ or sleep appliance bite based on... Uh, phonetics, how somebody is speaking, or uh, in sleep, they say, well, you take 50 or 60% of protrusive. Of, of we put the person where their physiology, their body wants to be, and, and that's where we make the, the appliance to. Really cool. So would you say
0: today, you know, cause you're doing a tremendous amount of restorative dentistry, cosmetic dentistry, you've been doing this a while, um, is your treatment protocol based on airway out? I mean, you look at the airway first and everything else follows. Is that a, Is that? does that simplify it too much?
1: No, I, th- I mean, that's, that's great because uh, as I said earlier that Michael Gelb and I created the term airway centric. Uh, airway centric means airway trumps everything, airway first. Uh, don't look at the models before you look at the airway. Don't look at the... Uh, Anything else before you look how the patient walks and moves, people change their posture in order to support their airway uh, turn tilt their heads uh, turn their foot out and and so that if you are doing restorative work and and putting teeth in a position in that in unbalanced body, you're just helping support their unbalanced position better than it was before some of the times. The way the reason the dentistry breaks down in the first place is we're trying to rebalance ourselves, and then we take these worn, broken teeth that are sort of getting us where we want to be in balance, and then we're taking them away and putting beautiful, unbreakable teeth back in an unbalanced position. Uh, once you understand that, you can never do it another way. All right,
0: so. There are all different levels of knowledge and expertise of those who are listening today, in terms of airway. Um, Some that have done little, some that have done a lot. Based on all of the work that you've done in both dentistry and working with the medical community, uh, what would you say today is, uh, I don't know, if standard of care is the right word, but what is every dentist's responsibility today, as you see it, in terms of the whole airway issue and where we're going.
1: Okay, so we are on the cusp of, of change. With the ADA uh, um, statement in, our, in October, it, it is rapidly be, gonna be the standard of care that dentist has to look in airway just as oral cancer screening has become the standard of care. Uh, that was never the case when I started in practice. Uh, look, looking at um, periodontal disease and the connection to systemic health is becoming the standard of care. Uh, and, and, and that's where we are. So right now, uh, a, a dentist would not be held at fault for not recognizing airway, but that's going to be change. I don't think we should wait. But more important, looking at it from uh, the patient in need side, even today, only 15% of, of people with an airway problem are recognized. And I know that I could walk into anybody's practice, and I could find 50% of those people in that practice who have, have an airway problem that needs to be treated. And not only so, not only are they not being cared for, and one of the things uh, I always hear is, why hasn't anybody told me about this before? Yep. And you can you can agree from your own point of view that I can how many,
0: Absolutely.
1: how many offices you've been to and nobody ever said you have a problem and yeah. when when you realize there was a problem, it wasn't a borderline problem. You had a big problem that you were walking around with because if it's a airway problem, well, I'm breathing. I mean, you were certainly breathing before. <laughs> And yet, I high, high functioning, successful. Uh, so the people we think of, fat, overweight, uh, people who have trouble breathing, those aren't the only people with a problem. Uh, a lot of women with uh, slim women, they don't express it. It's not always apnea. It could be something called upper airway resistance syndrome, where there really are, are, aren't, uh, symptoms that you that would jump out of you but if you if you ask the right questions and there are always signs of, of, of a problem uh airway and sleep problems have now been linked to uh, cardiovascular disease diabetes Alzheimer's, and even cancer and uh, in children it's been linked to adhd steve sheldon who is a uh, uh, a friend, uh, head of sleep medicine, pediatric sleep medicine, Lurie's Children's Hospital, Northwestern University in Chicago, says up to 80% of children w- diagnosed with ADHD may really have a sleep problem. Uh, his video is on our foundation site. Anybody can watch the video of that interview where he says that. Why is that important? Because last week, there was a medical report that says uh, ADHD in our population has now reached 10%, 10% of our Ooh. children. And, and I, I can guarantee you that only a small fraction of those children are ever even asked if they have a sleep problem.
0: Right. Well, and, and a lot of times, even if you do, you don't know. You don't right. know. I mean, How does a child know? I, I was asked consistently by my family dentist as a child if I was grinding my teeth. We, you don't know that you
1: grind your teeth because you do it in your sleep. You don't know that you got a sleep problem. So. And, you know, and, and um, interesting you mentioned that because bruxism is it's a symptom, a, is a symptom yeah. of, a, of an airway disorder. In fact, that before every apneic or lack of breathing event at night, there's, there's- a bruxism event. And, and so, I had that
0: all through my childhood. And of course, that was long before anybody knew the connection. But.
1: And so, so uh, a, a patient who comes in always breaking the porcelain on crowns yeah. uh, and uh, you, you can't get the bite right or complains about the previous dentist and you're going to make better porcelain or your lab is better and, and you haven't checked an existing airway problem, you're just going to be the next one in line who hasn't treated them right. Exactly. All right.
0: So certainly plenty of work to do and we can see where, where things are going. Talk to me a little bit about uh, how dentistry can have a meaningful conversation with the medical community at the practitioner level. You've done a great job of bringing both groups together. Uh, for a dentist who's practicing in any town in America, how do you initiate a meaningful conversation about airway with family practitioners, with
1: ENTs, with just with the medical community in general. Okay, so if we just take it as uh, a step from what you've already done with your neuronal hygiene, uh, physicians now either know or are learning about the connection between periodontal problems and, uh, and oral health, and it's, it's, it's the same thing. When a physician, is a resistance to the conversation, it's probably because they don't know. Mm -hmm. And and so, uh, you wanna wanna educate them and open the door to a good relationship. Uh, In the current state of, I don't think a dentist should solely individually make a diagnosis of, of a sleep problem. If the way it should work is you identify a problem, you, you've done screening, uh, in some states you can do a home sleep test, in other states you can't. Right. But you need a physician to work with because uh, number one, uh, it is a medical diagnosis. Number two, that the, the patient is often on either one or more medications that will be affected, hopefully positively by being treated. And let's say they're on blood pressure medication. You you help their sleep and their blood pressure goes down. That has to be adjusted. You're not going to, as a dentist, you are certainly not going to do that. Uh, but it can be very re- rewarding. And then also the other fact is sort of this battle between well, what's better, an oral appliance or a CPAP? We have patients who have both. It doesn't matter hmm. which. It doesn't matter who's be- which is better. What's better is what work for, works for that patient. Uh, some people can do very well in oral appliance and some people can't and vice versa. You know, one of the problems with CPAPs is in order to, if you're a Medicaid, Medicare patient, in order to keep your CPAP, you have to use it. What does that mean? It means you have to use it 21 out of 28 days, four hours a night, which is 35% of the time. And, and so obviously they set the bar so low because compliance isn't, isn't really very, very good. Okay. No, uh, I- and, and so uh, y- now you are you need to establish a relationship because treating sleep, even if you do make uh, an appliance, that's not the end of treatment. That's the beginning of the treatment. Uh, an appliance is a Band-Aid. A CPAP is a Band-Aid. There are patients who choose to wear that Band-Aid for the rest of their life, but um, there are a lot of people, you especially, who don't want to be married to an appliance or a CPAP for the rest of their life. So there's orthodontic solutions, there are restorative solutions, uh, there are surgical solutions. Uh, so once you get involved in airway, it's a physician-dentist partnership to lead that person back to uh, better health. Uh, I just want to mention a great book that came out in the last year called The End of Alzheimer's written by Dale Bredesen, B-R-E-D-E-S-E-N. And he has now reversed, I would say, three to 400 cases of Alzheimer's with his protocol. What's his protocol? It's not a miracle drug. It's uh, finding all the aspects of that are causing chronic inflammation. Uh, and, and he calls it 36 holes in the, ro- in the roof. If somebody has a problem, you can't just identify one or two of them. You have to identify all of them. What is cool about it is we as dentists have several of those holes in the roof that we are responsible for. Sleep yeah. and airway, periodontal uh, pathogens, metal toxicity, <clears throat> occlusal stress, Uh, We have those, but we don't have them all. And the only way we are going to effectively treat this is by collaborating with other practitioners. And it's exactly the same for cardiovascular disease, diabetes, uh, cognitive loss, uh, and and probably they're going to find even even cancer. And so uh, collaboration is not only important for your practice and not getting into trouble legally, but again, what, what are we here for? To take care of the patients. We can do so much, uh, so much of a better job and get optimal care if we collaborate together.
0: So let's talk about what we can do today. So <clears throat> depending on where somebody is in this whole journey, it's very clear to me uh, and, and especially based on what you said, very clear where dentistry is headed. This is uh, one of the biggest changes that's on the horizon in dentistry, that it's going to become a huge, huge part of, of what dentists do. So what would you recommend that a dentist do today, uh, regardless of whatever experience they've had in this area? What are some, some basic things that, that you recommend they do?
1: The number one thing would be learning how to screen for a problem. Okay. Uh, uh, you can go to. Uh, there are screening tools on the Foundation for Airway Health website. Uh, we can probably give uh, the listeners that 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 email address at the end. Okay. Uh, the, there are on online. There are a lot of courses being given. The number one thing is start recognizing those patients in your practice who have a problem. It doesn't really add uh, a lot of time to exam. More important than that, train your hygienist to do it because uh, a lot of the, uh, the recognition will come from just asking the right questions, which, which aren't being asked. Nobody spends more time with a patient in a year than a hygienist.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, they have just looking at the health history, anybody who has a chronic disease or is ter- taking certain medication then you 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 would you would know then you look for certain things a scalloped tongue uh you can't see the back of their throat, uh, nasal breathing, uh, narrow arch. it doesn't even add a minute to an exam to to recognize it. What's the next step do you want do you want to do more? Complete diagnosis in your office, fine, then become competent and do it. If not, uh, refer to a physician. Uh, I think that every dentist should at least know how know how to do a full workup uh, every dentist should know how to do a full workup and have a relationship with a physician who can can make the diagnosis and uh, learn how to make some basic sleep appliances there. There are now almost 100 approved FDA sleep appliances, uh, all colors, racing stripes, uh, wings, and fancy things. Find a couple that, that you want to do I, I, in your office and, and, and get started. But I think the number one thing is don't do a big restorative case unless you've looked at the airway problem because it's going to come back to, not only come back to bite you, but it may not. It'll just affect the, person, the patient's health For the rest of their life huge Uh,
0: huge impact
1: um and then uh uh, take courses and i i will personally anybody on this call on this podcast who has any interest and wants any more information you can give me them my email address and i will be happy to to mentor them in any way possible because this is my passion this is my this is my i i I want to change that 15% diagnosed to, to 50% at least in the next couple of years. And nobody, it's never going to happen unless the dentists do it.
0: Uh, so a couple of things uh, that I'll, I will re-mention. Uh, your book entitled Airway Health, The Hidden Path to Wellness by Dr. Howard Hinden and Dr. Michael Gelb. Um, you can get that uh, anywhere online, correct?
1: Yeah, but the, the title of the book is GASP. Gasp, there we go. And I, I love the title. I think it's it's great. And and uh, we call it the hidden pro- uh, problem because it is hidden. The, the people are amazed when they find, oh my God, I didn't know I had a problem. Books are doing well. They're selling well. I'm not going to give up my day job because, because I'm an <laughs> author. Uh, but every single month we get calls from somebody thank you so much for the book. You, you, you've changed my life. Uh, the book was written, uh, for the public, but it's a great book. We have people, we have practitioners who give them out to every new patient who, who, uh, instead of going through the whole explanation, the, and, uh, people have passed the book on to other people, uh, in their family. So, uh, that's great. It's on Amazon. Uh, give, give the correct name, correct title of the book again is? GASP, the, the, the hidden key to wellness.
0: Perfect. Um, all right, second, give us the web address for the Foundation for Airway Health.
1: So Foundation for Airway Health is airwayhealth.org. So the foundation was created to be a partnership public practitioners and companies working together to, uh, uh, raise awareness and, and, to the public. So the foundation is mostly geared to the public and we just are putting in a new, uh, a new program called the airway advocate program. Airway advocate program is, uh, we had a program called the airway pledge where people can just come online, sign the pledge, say that they will, uh, They will screen every patient for an airway problem and then be listed as a resource. Uh, So we've changed that. There's gonna be a a small fee attached to being an airway advocate, but we now have uh, five or six companies as part of their partnership will be giving benefits to anybody who becomes an airway advocate. And those benefits are worth thousands of dollars to doing uh, uh, their share. and, uh, and we want our patients, and patients are being airway advocates, just like you mentioned before, you can't go through an airport without noticing people with a problem. Yeah. That uh, our patients are this, are the same way. They say, I, I noticed my, uh, my niece can't close her mouth. She's, she's beating through her mouth. And, and, and my uh, grandson stuck out his tongue, scalloped tongue. And so all If everybody works together, we have all these incredible uh, uh, missionaries. And working together, I go back to your teachings, you have to change the culture. Doing airway is not adding another procedure to your practice, how to do a better crown, how to do an implant. It's changing the culture. It's looking at the patient, as not as a dental patient, as a person who you are going to help make their life better and, and uh, w- with the tools that we now have as dentists, we can really make people's lives better. But everybody in your office has to be part of that cultural change.
0: Uh, so thank you for those two resources, the book uh, airwayhealth.org, which has some great resources. Uh, I was uh, very privileged to have the opportunity to speak at the AAPMD meeting Uh, And I will tell you, Howard, I learned more uh, just by sitting there and listening to the other presenters than I think I taught. Uh, Hopefully I shared a few things that were of help, but I learned a tremendous uh, amount uh, just from the resources that you uh, brought together there. Tell us real briefly about the meeting, uh, what it
1: does, and what a a dentist would get out of it. So uh, our next meeting coming up, November 8th to 10th at the Red Rock Resort in Las Vegas. And so, uh, as I mentioned, teamwork and collaboration is a key. The other thing that's been happening in the dental uh, um, meeting arena is that everybody, there's so many meetings, everybody competing together. So um, I reached out to another group, which uh, you're familiar with, Steve Ayash. American yep. Academy of Systemic Health, and I think you're involved as an advisor to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, a third group, which is called ACAM, the American College for the Advancement of Medicine, which is a medical group of integrated uh, physicians, I said, we should do our meeting together. And so this meeting will be a meeting of the three groups. We're holding our meetings jointly. We have some different tracks, some combined uh, Programs we have uh, a couple of interesting things. We we do foundation. We're going to have a white flag event on the myofunctional therapy. Uh, what is what is the future of muscle function in uh, in airway health? And so we have invited I think uh, eight to ten of the world key opinion leaders to give their view of where we are now and where we're going in myofunctional therapy. We, another workshop is gonna be with an incredible physical therapist, Ron Arushka, about how the position of the neck and posture relates to airway and, uh, and, uh, and occlusal function. Then we have uh, uh, things on cardiovascular disease, uh, baldonine. We have Christian Guimano, who's the father of airway, airway medicine. And uh, okay. Gerald Simmons, a neurologist. So we have something for everybody. And because it's a three-in-one meeting, if you sign up, register with the APMD, you can go to any of the classes, any of the presentations of any of the groups, no additional charge. We also have uh, a joint reception, and last time we had this great closing reception where uh, we arranged the tables according to geographical areas, so you you ended up sitting with practitioners of different modalities, so that you could take home contacts, so that you can begin to build your own pod or network of practitioners. You know that like we talked before about how you communicate with physicians. Wouldn't it be nice to Get a sort of like physician dating or something like yeah. like that, and Easy. so uh, very cool. So what we're trying to do is uh, is yeah provide education. and We say learn what you do and do it better, but also learn what other people do that you don't do, who they are, how you connect with them, and nobody's really taught how you collaborate how do you play together on a team? So that's what we're trying to do is how to put together, uh, how how you, how you collaborate, how the patient goes from one person to another, do the collaboration at the beginning. A lot of people define collaboration as, well, when I don't know what to do with the patient anymore, I'm going to collaborate with somebody and send them to them. (laughs) We, we, we think it should, it should be done, uh, at the beginning. And so, um, we're excited. We have, uh, as of now, uh, all, all our exhibit space is sold out. People want exhibit space. Seventy exhibitors. Wow. We have uh, over six hundred people. Six hundred and fifty uh, registration uh, for the meeting. Our goal is to get to a thousand, because uh, getting to a thousand will show that our message, the message of collaboration working together, and the dentist is not just the appliance maker for, for physicians, that the dentist is, is incredibly competent, and we're training, uh, we own this territory. The mouth is our territory, uh, and we shouldn't be subjugated to being technicians for uh, uh, the medical profession. So I want to encourage all the Crown Council members to, to come. It's not far. It's, it, last, our last meeting in Puerto Rico, we got killed by the hurricane. <laughs> yes, you did. I can guarantee no hurricanes in Las Vegas.
0: <laughs> and if there is, we're going to have a lot bigger things to worry about. All right. So uh, the website, give us the address for more information and okay. you register for the meeting.
1: www.aapmd.org which is the, uh, and, and all you gotta do is click on the banner. We'll take you to the website. And, uh, because you, I think that the crown council members, because they are like leading clinicians in, in, uh, in dentistry are great audience to be more involved in, in airway. Uh, they, they, they would be, uh, great missionaries for the message we're trying to provide. And, uh, and we have given, provided discount uh, code, 2018, 2018 SAC, which stands for Steve Anderson Crown Council.
0: <laughs> there you go. Okay. So, two th- so when you register, if you put in
1: 2008 SAC. You get a $200 discount <laughs> off the registration fee.
0: As long as you don't use that extra money to go gamble. Right, Howard? Of course. <laughs> Very good. All right. So let me do a quick review as we wrap up. Uh, your book, uh, Gasp, uh, which you can buy on Amazon, ought to be a must read for everybody um, that has any interest in airway health. Uh, the Foundation for Airway Health, airwayhealth.org, which has resources to help start screening and diagnosing airway issues. And then the, uh, AAPMD joint meeting at aapmd.org. And you can use the discount code 2008 SAC for a special crown council discount.
1: 2018,
0: 2018, not 2008. It's 2018, uh, 2018 SAC. Perfect. Dr. Hinden. Thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. your wisdom and everything you're doing. I will add this, uh, this closing comment um which we have not talked about and one of the things that i um, admire the most about you is not only the work that you've done and continue to do but your passion uh with which you do it and uh, that is what life is all about you uh you and i have never talked about this but i know that you could very easily uh, be basking in the sun down in Arizona or some tropical paradise someplace, um, relaxing in retirement, and you are doing something far more worthwhile, which is changing and saving lives and making a difference in the world. And for that, I personally thank you and, uh, and appreciate your example. So thanks wow. for sharing your wisdom and everything you're doing with all of us today. Well, thank you, Steve. Thank you. Have a great trip and congratulations on your award in Rome. And uh, I know you're gonna have a great week this week. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you, Steve, bye.